Do you remember Lance Von Erich from World Class Championship Wrestling? Read all about his career in Portland, in Dallas, and overseas in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read passages by Dusty Wolf, David Manning, and Kevin Von Erich. 25 chapters in all. You'll be surprised by what you read. Get your book at LanceByChance.com or on Amazon. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and tonight's guest is Mike Rogers, professional wrestling author from Portland, Oregon. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thank you, and I appreciate your time. Uh, you have a new book out. Why don't you tell the fans what it's called and what it's about? Sure. It's called Excitement in the Air. The Voices of Northwest Wrestling. And I used to do a bulletin called Ring Around the Northwest, and I, I did that for 30 years. And um, I started having interviews after about the first 10 years. So I have about 20 years of interviews to, to draw from, and a lot of local guys in Portland, but then also some, some legends that I was able to interview. And that bulletin went by went the wayside in about 2013, and ever since then I've I've kind of kicked around the idea of of maybe calling some of the best ones and and putting them into a book. And this summer I uh, kicked around the idea and got a little more serious about it, and uh, we got one together. And it has about 27 different interviews from different people who wrestled in the Northwest. Um, Current stars like Daniel Bryan and his interview, it's back about 15 years or so ago when uh, he was pretty much just starting out. And Kyle O'Reilly. And then we have some Portland legends like Dutch Savage and Bull Ramos and Don Leo Jonathan. And all the way back into the 50s, there's a, a couple, Nick Kozak and Daniel McDonald. And, and uh, I think we've got a, a nice mix of of interviews that really give the Northwest flavor. When people pick this book up, what is it you think that they take from it? What is it, you know, are they going to know the way that wrestling was in, in those time periods, or are they going to uh, know a little bit about these guys? I think, um, I think if you're, if people are familiar with Portland wrestling at all, it's going to have, um, some people in there that that they are familiar with, like Dutch Savage and Bull Ramos. When I think when you think of Portland wrestling, those are a couple of the names that that really come to mind. Um, and the other thing that I really like about the book is these are people more or less from the past, and their voices have never been heard before. So journeyman wrestler like Ricky Hunter and Roger Kirby. You know, I can't think of any place else where they've had a chance to tell their story. It'll be an opportunity for wrestling fans who may not know some of those wrestlers, but have an opportunity to to meet them, so to speak, on paper, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, it, you know, if you're familiar with the current guys, like I mentioned, Kyle O'Reilly and, and Daniel Bryan, and I've also said 
that sometimes, you know, you have the more famous people that you're familiar with, but sometimes the wrestlers who didn't reach the main events, they have some great stories to tell as well. And so, um, Ed Moondog Moretti has a great interview and Ed's, Ed's one of my best friends and he has an interview in the book that, that, uh, is one of the, to be honest, one of the best interviews that I've I've ever read anywhere. He's just so honest in the book and and forthright and 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 great at telling stories. And uh, uh, another one that I I'll just mention is Beauregard. Beauregard wrestled in Portland and Hawaii and a little bit in Florida. Never he did great here, but uh, he never did anything anywhere else. And uh, his story I, I find really interesting. So I think people, you know, will, will have a chance at the different varieties to find someone that they're going to, that's going to make the book worthwhile. And I really think that they'll enjoy it. But I was a big world-class wrestling fan. So I understand, you know, the magic. Sure. That, that promotion had, right? Well, right. Portland had it too. You know, I, I mentioned before we came on the air that Portland really had a tradition that even even if you were not a big wrestling fan or or maybe you know if that wasn't your thing, people in Portland knew when it was on. You know, some of the wrestlers involved and uh, just kind of that everybody seemed to have a story too. It's like I know this wrestler. He lived down the down the street from me, or I would see this wrestler in the this restaurant. And um, Portland just had that tradition uh, that Portland wrestling fostered. And the other thing that that I think really was a little bit unique is Portland wrestling came on live for many many years. So you would see it. you know, the same night that it was on. And so it, it used to be absolutely live. And then they moved it back to a 11 o'clock at night. And the big selling point was, come on down, watch wrestling, and then go home and watch yourself on TV the same night. And uh, I think that really lended itself to be uh, in a unique situation as well. You got any guys like Roddy Piper or... Um the Keepergers or anybody like I don't have Roddy Piper. Um, uh, I don't have Buddy Rose. In, in fact, a funny story. I, I knew Buddy Rose. The very, very first thing he ever said to me was, I will not do an interview for you. <laughs> um, but I do have uh, Luke Williams of the Sheepherders. Um, I mentioned Dutch Savage and Bull Ramos. I have Lou Fez, um, Don Leo Jonathan, uh, Scott Norton, a more recent, uh, wrestled in the 80s and also big in Japan. Um, I have enough interviews to have at least one more book, and I wanted to make sure that the second, you know, I didn't put everybody great into the first book. The second book I feel will be just as compelling. And the second book is going to have John Tolos and Ivan Koloff, Mad Dog Vachon, Billy White Wolf, Rick Martell. Um, so I, I tried to even it out, um, you know, and, and we'll see, we'll see when the second book comes along. But, um, 
the first book, let me see some other names here. Michelle Starr, who is uh, current, he has just retired, but he's promoted and wrestled for the last 20 years. Um, Stan Stasiak and Red Bastine in this book. Um, I think it it's a nice mix of uh, all the way from the 50s to, to current current wrestlers. And were these interviews, were they written into story form or were they, uh, are they like Q&A? How, how okay. Yeah, they're done in, in Q&A form. You, you mentioned one a little bit ago that you thought that was the best, but you did mention Lou Fez, and that's got to be interesting for, for those who may not know who Lou Fez is. He was the NWA man. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's funny. I really always preferred to do inter- interviews by email because then I felt like I just wasn't disturbing people. But by far the best interviews was, were by phone. And I remember when I was dialing and, and I wasn't calling him cold. He knew that I was calling him, but I remember when I'm calling, it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm calling Lou says. And to be having a little bit of nervousness about it. And, uh, but on just about every interview, I, I immediately felt comfortable. Um, and he did a very good job and, and, uh, I think people will really enjoy that one as well. Did you find that the wrestlers that you interviewed, were they open? Did, did they seem guarded? Did they, want to tell you things did they talk to you about the business as it was kayfabe or how did it go i've got i've got a story on on each each example i'm i called stan stasiak he for a while in portland you could call up a hotline to get to find out who was wrestling on the next card and one of the selling points of the hotline was stan stasiak would answer the phone you know a couple hours a week and and they knew the told you what what hours you could call and talk to Stan. So I got an interview ready and I called him up and let him know that I wanted to ask a couple questions and or a few questions for a uh, interview for a bulletin and I'm go, we're going along and everything's going fine and I saved the question that I really really wanted to know and I didn't know how it would go. I, and my question was to him was what exactly was it like the night that he won the title, you know, how was it presented to him, you know, and before it had been all, you know, regular questions, but this is what I wanted to know. Were you, were you surprised that you were going to get the belt? And, and I asked the question, I kind of waited and there was a pause and he, his answer was, well, I won, I won, I won the belt. And it, you know, it was just like, uh, just a big letdown kind of, but, but you have to respect it, you know, that that's his era. That's, you know, sure. his duty to, to protect the business. I respected him as a wrestler. I, I thought that he had so much more potential. I think that he could have had a longer title run than he did. I just don't think he was used right. You know, right. I mean, do you do you think that as well? No, I agree. You know, they seem to trans transfer to the to the babyface champion so much. You know, until like Billy Graham, who got a little bit longer run. Um, 
but Billy Graham didn't get as long a run as he probably should have is either. But yeah, Stan Stacy, I'm a little biased because I saw him so much, but yeah, he definitely could have had a, a bigger run. What was the other example you were going to share with me? The other example is I called Bull Ramos and if I ever can get a little something that, that ties them in before we ever get started, something personal, that always seems to help. And I had one great tie-in with Bull Ramos's. My wife played with Bull Ramos's daughter when they were little girls. And so that little piece of information kind of relaxed him, I think. And, and he told great stories. In fact, the funny thing was I had set two hours aside for the interview and then I had an errand to run. I had to take my dog to the vet and I don't think I'd ever had, you know, I was not worried about running too long and he's talking and he, and he, we got to the end of my interview and he's, he is just getting started and he's like, come on, ask me some more. What do you want to know? You know, and I, I, think of something and, and he would be off again telling telling stories and finally it got to the point where it's like oh my gosh I have to go I'm so sorry I, I just have to go and he's like oh you know we're just getting started and, and um, so that was the case where you know he did a great job and really opened up and and told some great stories um, one other example, and Rick Martell is not in this volume, hopefully in the next, um, at the conclusion of his interview, he thanked me and said, you know, that I had really brought up a lot of memories for him in Portland and, and you know, as we tracked his career, especially early. And uh, I, I think, you know, once once they start feeling comfortable, everybody wants to tell their story. You know, and and uh, I think that's that's the key. Once they they find out that you're you're going to be true to them and and ask good questions, interesting questions, I think they really want to tell you your their story. When you started doing this and interviewing wrestlers, and and then you start looking back and you think I'm interviewing wrestlers. What was yours like a like a like a news sheet or what was the bulletin? Yeah, it was called Ring Around the Northwest. Uh, when I started in 1983, it was just done on a typewriter, three pages long. Um, and then, you know, years later, I got a computer. And what really helped me meet wrestlers was Dean Silverstone was a promoter here in the Northwest, and he ha- would have reunions at his home. And um, I was invited to one one of his reunions, and... I'll never forget this. I stepped in the door, opened the door and stepped in, and I looked down one hallway, and I saw Ivan Koloff and Johnny Valentine. And I looked down the other aisle hallway, and I saw Don Leo Jonathan and Dean Higuchi. And there was there was probably a 100 wrestlers there, you know, some gigantic names and, and others that had worked for Dean and, and Northwest wrestlers. And that's where I really started to get some of my – connections and met some different people and and just had a chance to visit in a social situation and and uh, then they were a little bit more open you know as as time went along to to do interviews what took you so long to 
put these stories in in the book and what what kind of made you lean that way there was a one of my readers who's a promoter maybe about 10 years ago had mentioned um you should do a book and i'm i can help facilitate that and we started the process and we're doing some work and then he had uh, a bad turn on his health and he mentioned that he wasn't going to be able to do it and and uh, then I visited with Scott Teal, and he said, oh, there's definitely a, a book here, and, and I've got about six or seven projects, and let's look at it once I get these projects done. And, and then Scott backed off a little bit on his, his wrestling projects in the last couple of years. And I was having lunch this summer with a friend, and he he was in the wrestling business, and he knew all the interviews, and... and uh, he said, let's see if we can't, you know, really finish this. Because the work basically was done. It's just the editing and assembling and figuring out, you know, the next steps. And so I reached out to John Cosper, who has a number of wrestling books and has a company out, uh, Eat, Sleep, and Wrestle. And and he we worked together with him. And this is the – I'm not very – I'm very naive and – don't know, you know, how the publishing author business works, but this is what I was really amazed at. We finished our editing and sent it to John, and I just thought to myself, well, this will probably take about three months or so, or I don't know what John is going to do, or, you know, I, I didn't know. The next morning, I step out, and I see my book on Amazon, and it's like, wow, that's amazing. You know, the, uh, it was, the process was that fast. I'm familiar with John. I don't know John. I know he's been doing it for quite some time. So he's got it down to a science, I'm sure. I work very closely with Kenny Casanova. He would be my mentor. Sure. He knows how to, you know, just how to do it and how to put it together. Of course, formatting is not fun. You know, if you're, formatting to print you know it it can be a little bit of a challenge and you know it really does help for someone to know the ins and outs of that but yeah i mean there's there's a lot of people out there that that know how to do it and i wanted to ask you what took you so long to do it because you know my take on this and these stories with the wrestlers and the interviews and stuff is like their history their memories and for for those who are, you know, uh, who love professional wrestling, it really gives them an opportunity to share in these moments that those people will share with us. Right. The um, the title of the book, Excitement in the Air, comes from an interview that Lonnie Main did years and years ago, and he was doing a promo on, on the, an upcoming match. And he, he finished it off by saying, he turned to the, to the announcer and said, Frank, next Saturday night, there's going to be excitement in the air. And then that became his catchphrase. And after Lonnie had passed along, it just became kind of a catchphrase for Portland wrestling. So that's where the title of the book came from. People who are diehard Portland fans, may know where that came from. Yes, yes, exactly. What do you hope that people take away from reading the book? I hope that 
they can get the book and learn something about about wrestling, about each of these individuals. Um, I just hope that they find it as half as interesting as I do. Because I'll, I, you know, I've read each interview numerous times, and I'll go through and and glance and skim it again, and and something will catch my eye. And even though I've read it four or five times, I'll start reading it again. I, if you're a wrestling fan, I really think that you will find it interesting. There's so many great stories. How can people get the book if they're interested in getting the book? Um, it is available on Amazon. And the name is Excitement in the Air, The Voices of Northwest Wrestling, Volume 1. And uh, on the cover, it has a picture of Bull Ramis, uh, Luthez, Don Leo Jonathan, and Dutch Savage. Before we get out of here, touch on Dutch Savage a little bit. I saw a documentary a few years back, and I believe it was on YouTube, and what was his role in Portland and what was his error? Because um, the reason why I ask you is I heard of the name when I was like about 14, 15. When I started watching wrestling, I heard of Dutch Savage. Uh, didn't know where he was basically from, but this documentary, um, you know, he he was pretty much a – I don't know, uh, a very, he had a very important role in Portland wrestling from what I got from the documentary. Tell me a little bit about him. Sure. Um, he came to the Northwest probably around 1969 and he wrestled both in, in the Vancouver area and, uh, in, in Portland as well. Uh, he more or less started full time in Portland around 1970, 71. And he homesteaded here at that point, and he would he'd go back and forth. The territories with Vancouver and Portland were close enough that he would spend um, a good amount of time in Vancouver as well. Um, at some point, he bought into the promotion, and he would promote mostly the towns in in Washington. So Don and Elton Owen would promote in the towns in Oregon. Sandy ha- Sandy Barr had uh, Salem, Oregon, and then Dutch had most of the towns in Washington. Okay. And Dutch was a little he was a little full of himself. There were not a lot of conversations with Dutch that went smoothly. He wasn't someone to fill in the words or or to smooth over conversations. So, um yeah, I always remember I'd ask people, well, how do you get along with Dutch? And and it was interesting because the the wrestlers of his generation appreciated him, and it was all tied like, oh yeah, Dutch and I made money. Tim Brooks, that's a that's a quote from Killer Brooks. You know, he wasn't a bad guy. We made a lot of money together, and that's one of the things that I I. You, notice especially with that era of wrestler that you kind of tie somebody's worth in with if you were able to make money right um dutch's interview he did a great job he really opened up 
And he opened up, he may have forgot what he was doing because upon completion of our interview, he said, you can't use this. <laughs> and he goes, and I, I'm not sure, I think, you know, we quickly ended our conversation after that. He just said, you just can't use this. And uh, I think he realized how open and how honest he was. So I did not use it for probably 10 years until he passed. And then I, then it went into my bulletin. Wow. But I think it's, I think it's really open and re- he had a, a partnership with Don Owen and then it ended and we get his version of how it ended, um, in the book. And that's, it's a little bit different from the version, other versions that have been out there. Um, so that makes it, that makes it interesting as well. And did Ken, Ken Hamlin help you with the photos for that project? Yes, yes, and that's the part I, I skipped over. At the very beginning, Ken was doing a bulletin called Ring Around the World, and we worked together. Ken's been a good friend for 40 years, and uh, I told him that um, I wanted to start a bulletin called Ring Around the Northwest, so that's kind of how it got started. And, yes, Ken has a lot of pictures in in this book, um, especially the people who who wrestled in the 70s and 80s. Um, yeah, and Ken's a, a good friend. I was looking for some photographs for my Lance Von Erich book, and I went on a, you know, one of the Portland Wrestling uh, Facebook pages. I saw uh-huh. some kind of uh, – there was some kind of a convention or something. I saw some pictures, or and then I said, hey, I'm looking for some Portland pictures. Ken replied to me. Right. He says, you know – I'll direct message you and uh, you tell me what you need. I like Ken because he was so easy to work with. You know, you tell him what you need, you know, and he he would find it. He says, "I know I have it. Give me a couple days." Or, "Hey, you know, I can get that over to you in a couple minutes." And, you know, I had an idea of what I wanted. But another thing that I really liked and I respected about Ken was, you know. He told you, you know, right up front, you know, this is what I would like. This is how I would like you to do it. And this is what I, I need and da da da, you know, and it was fair and it was, I work with a a lot of people, photographers that, that don't move as quick as Ken did. And I, (laughs) (laughs) when, when you're working on a project and you need somebody to be cohesive with you, it does help if they're, you know, they have the same passion that you do. And Ken didn't know me from Adam, and and he seemed to have the passion that I had, and I and I respected that. Right. Yeah. Like I mentioned, I've known Ken for probably close to forty years now, and and uh, Ken's a good friend. All right. And tell us one more time where we can get the book. Sure. It's available on Amazon, and the name of it is Excitement in the Air. The Voices of Northwest Wrestling, Volume 1. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, thank you. I also appreciate it very much. You're listening to the Russellville Podcast, where wrestling lives. The Pro Wrestling Ball. 
25 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm, along with 300 photos from, from the, the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives.